I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the this bedding thicket. We've been saving this spot for the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. Boom! <laughs> 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 it's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. <laughs> 10 yards. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. That OG real dream. Here we go, Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming at you on a Thursday. Little bonus episode here for you guys. Uh, we've been trying to get with the East Coast boys here for quite a while. Finally was able to nail it down. Uh, Cody's still on the road, so he's over the phone, did a, a merged phone call with D-Rock and Trev from the East Coast Bowhunting Podcast. Uh, these guys are a lot of fun. Figured we'd hit you two times this week, and we've been trying to nail this one down and get these guys on here for a while. They've been cranking out a lot of episodes in their uh, short time of existence, but uh, it's been a good time listening to their show and listen to them talk about some challenges that we don't have to worry about with them boys being on the east coast and we're here in the midwest so we get kind of loose a little crazy on this one which is kind of their style and uh we don't shy away from that so here we go we're gonna get into the show all right guys we got d-rock and trev from the east coast coming in hard on the whitetail legacy podcast how's it going tonight guys Good. How are you guys? I'm what good, up, man? What up? Let's start it off right. Shoving. There you go, man. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, you guys started podcasting uh, 
was it it's been a year yet close no not even it's been uh, just over half a year so just oh, over half a year months. man yeah. yeah time time's flying for me over here seems <laughs> like uh but yeah man you guys you guys have been having a lot of fun a lot of episodes i've been tuning in to quite a few um appreciate it you guys come on and and talk about the east coast a little bit it's something that me and homie have no idea about um I have never been past uh, Ohio or Tennessee. So. Oh wow! Yeah, that, I guess I guess I was Kentucky. Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's as far east I've been. I guess, but yeah, I've been as far as west in every state, south and west. I've worked in every single one, but East Coast is something that we don't do. <laughs> so, yeah, not not many people do it. It's it's not everyone's flavor. You know what I mean? But yeah, you you seem like uh, you're in the same realm as Trev too, because the furthest east or west rather that he's ever been is Iowa, uh, mainly because well, now, of, well, yeah, yeah. now Pennsylvania. <laughs> before then, yeah. yeah, before then it was Harrisburg. So. Oh wow, yeah, that was a, that was a big so, transition. Huge, <laughs> huge. <laughs> you got out here and seen nothing but flat ground. I, well, it sounded like all he said that he seen was deer, and I was like, ah, there ain't that many deer out here, man. Just uh, yeah. just stay up there on the East Coast. <laughs> well, not even that, but the the, the uh, miles per hour on the roads go up 10. <laughs> nice. That was different. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly what it is, is the uh, good analogy I could, I could relate to is, uh, you know, I traveled the world, and out in Germany, they, they have – speed limitless highways uh because of the amount of people you get out to the east coast there's so many people and so congested that they actually bring that speed limit down uh so that's probably what's going on with that yeah it's totally different and and not only just that though the the deer population granted the genetics are very different um and the bigger deer are hard to find but the main reason that is is because there's so much more people hunting them uh, we actually have bait zones for uh, deer management. So just to give uh, or paint the picture for your listeners out there. And that's endless tags in those zones. It is endless. Yeah. So you get three does and then they give you uh, a buck tag. Yeah, you so earn every, buck tags every three yeah. does. Yeah, and then they replace those doe tags as you go along. And wow. that's that's in the bait zones only? Yeah, in our, in our coastal zones, yep, here in Connecticut. Mm, that, that's a lot of killing. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's sweet, man. I've seen a lot of deer out there is because everything's flat and you can see forever. See, if you were here, you're in the mountains. Everything's woods. You're not you're not seeing more than 15 feet off the side of the road. So, And there's very little ag fields or CRP fields like you guys have. So it's, it's, it's totally different. Like seeing deer, you don't see them unless they cross in front of you. Or if you're climbing mountains, I mean, we ain't hunting deer. We're hunting mountain goats. It seems like. Yeah, know. right on, man. I'm up. I'm up here in Minnesota, Wisconsin. Been shed hunting a lot. There's some hills up here, and you know, I I tell people a lot. You know, I don't I don't feel like I've I'm a good whitetail hunter yet. You know, what I mean, I still have a lot to learn. And coming up here trying to find sheds humbled me because stuff that would have been good back home isn't good here. You know, so I was assuming the same thing. If I went to the East Coast and tried to kill deer, I wouldn't be worth a shit. You know what I mean? It's just, 
it's something you got to put on a lot of miles and, and you definitely got to hike those mountains and it's totally different. And it's something that, that not everybody understands. You watch these guys shed rallying in, in the West and it's, it's something crazy. They come up with four five, six, ten, twelve in a day. I mean, for me to come up with one or two is, is something else. I mean, especially on the East coast, it's, it's not an easy task. And nice. in, in retrospect, it's, uh, I mean, everyone knows their land best and, and what you're putting miles to the ground on best. So, I mean, not to take anything away. I think the main reason, Cody, uh, don't be so hard on yourself. If you want to be worth the shit. I actually think otherwise is, uh, someone like yourself coming to new grounds. You, t- you apply what you already know to new grounds. And quite honestly, I think you'd be pretty successful in the sense of you'd be that blank page. You know what I mean? applying your your skills to different landscape because you'd have a different approach main main reason being is you got everyone has their own routines right so if i take my east coast routines out midwest i guarantee you i'll get a book in the sense of just being that blank page and open to uh just being more open to sign basically uh because you you'd regress back to your roots i think i mean that's just my opinion you're just yeah i see what you're saying you're just be more aware because you don't have that you know year year after year basis of you know just like you said being in a routine you're you're gonna be more um looking for rubs and scrapes and you know potential bedding areas exactly and exactly. you haven't formed those bad habits that you're like, well, last year I was here and this is what worked out. But yep. then you go back the next year. I mean, that's something that we're dealing with now with we have these um, these bugs and they're killing off all of our oak trees, which doesn't we can't we, we're having a problem with the growth of the fruit on the oak trees. Which kind of bug trip? Um, it's the uh, you had to ask. I was trying to get around that. Um, <laughs> gypsy moss. Gypsy moss. We have the gypsy moss and they eat the oak trees so that we can't the the fruit, the acorns won't, they're, they're not producing because we're losing all of our leaves. Like you come here in the summer and it looks like the dead of the winter. There's no leaves on any of the trees. And that's a big, huge food source. And something that we've always learned how to hunt is those oak flats, those hardwoods. And we're losing that because of these gypsy moss. But so like, if you were to, oops, no, 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 go ahead. No, no, no. So like, if you were to come here, like for me right now, I'm, I'm trying to find grass fields and there's not a lot of ag fields or different food sources because I'm so used to hunting them oaks and it's just, it's a troubled thing. So like if you guys were to come out here, you would find the sign somewhere else because you're not used to hunting in that area and, and you'll take, you'll take more in to really see what's going on. And at the same time though, um, that's very regional too, uh, the gypsy moths, because it's like a, any invasive species of any sorts, uh, uh, whether it be insect or, or critters, what have you, it's, very regional to the sense of where they thrive on its food source because uh for example uh coventry connecticut where where trev lives i i live inner city uh more centered connecticut and we have our own parcels that we we like to hunt and on the flip side of things my acorns were glorious and i was able to make some things happen because my food for my food source was abundant so it's just it's very dynamic and everything, and you get a little bit of everything, especially here in the northern tip of the East Coast. I mean, you could travel maybe four hours north right now, and you run into some snow still uh, because of the elevations and mountains and stuff. So 
it's very dynamic and it really teaches you a lot. So with yeah. that, with that gypsy moth, are you guys seeing more of a hard transition to hunt and and see sign in different areas, or is it going to be more of like a transition over time that you know your oaks are going to be dying off and you're going to have to make the move anyway? So every three years, if your if your oaks don't have leaves for three years, then the then the tree is officially dead yeah it's gonna die um i mean they're going through some of our forests right now and cutting down tens of thousands of trees because they're dead because of the gypsy moss and it's and it's a dramatic drastic change right now that we're, we can't even hunt these hardwoods that literally the the deer aren't there i mean now they are because the green fields have died off and now they're pushing in and eating boughs and this that and the other thing and, and proper wood management too yeah so it's 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 been it's been a struggle and we're hoping like my region right now it's only been two years so we have one year if we get the fruit back this year we're going to be back in the golden but if not we could potentially lose a ton of trees which is not saying every single tree is on that same pattern but the 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 most of them are but uh, to bounce off of that and piggyback is uh that's what's beautiful about our area especially is um, although they have bait zones, there's loopholes around it where you can lay down mineral and feed all year long in the off season. And then you have to stop just before season. But even better than that, food plots are, you could go as big as you want, even on state land. And there's certain regulations, like you can't bring in equipment and stuff like that. It has to be all by hand. But I mean, you get your boys to round up and, and a case of Shabim beer and you're out there in state land. I mean, I don't promote. Uh, drink, drinking and driving. Drinking, <laughs> but ain't nothing wrong with some hard work and drinking some shebang and and you just you and your boys getting out there and getting your hands dirty and and creating your own food plots and mini ag fields out there. So I mean, there's always ways around it, and you just gotta constantly adjust to the uh, to the nature what what God gives you. Really, just gotta work with it. That's cool that you guys can plant food plots on public like yeah. that. That's something we we can't do at all. Uh, there'd be a lot of guys out there doing it though, and, and the public ground would be just a huge food plot. <laughs> right, right. Any CRP would be a food plot. There's enough guys out there, but that's pretty cool, man. That's stuff like I said. We we are so unknowledgeable about East Coast and even even West, you know, Western hunting. We're not knowledgeable. We know whitetails, and that's why that's kind of what we stick to. Midwest whitetails, you know, everybody does the best in their field, but. Uh, we, we, it seems like you guys, you know, have got it figured out there. So how, how many years have you guys been hunting on, on the East coast? Oh, well, me personally, I've, I've been hunting shit. Um, I'm the grandpa of the group. (laughs) I'm 37 years old. The modern assassin, my, my right hand man out of Maryland, uh, Garrett Benner, he's, he's 37 as well. So we've been around the block a little bit. Um, we, we've been hunting, Shit, as long as we could shoot a bow, really. Uh, whitetails specifically, though, that's new to me, relatively new to me. I've only been hunting it for two years. Um, th- thank the Lord, you know, successfully, uh, because my tactic and that, I never had anyone push me to whitetail. Uh, the biggest game I ever hunted uh, growing up by myself and learning myself was gator. I was bow hunting gator down Louisiana, which is a lot of fun. Um, 
and, and the best part about that is just like a whitetail, you can really utilize everything about it, especially the, the pelt, the skin. I mean, I still have uh, gator boots made from gator that I took down, uh, you know, and down the list, uh, belts and whatnot. And it's just something to be said. So as far as whitetail, though, I, it's quote unquote, Kirk Geyer from Working Class Bowhunter. It's a, a deep rabbit hole, if you will, uh, with whitetail hunting. And, and you can really go as deep as you want in that rabbit hole. And I'm hooked, man. I'm hooked. I, I live in the hood, and I see crackheads on the block, and I understand their addiction because that's how whitetail hunting is to me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Trev, on the other hand, um, I've been hunting since – or I've been shooting archery since I was probably five, six years old. Um, and hunting my entire life. I grew up in that lifestyle. My family, cousins, uncles, father, grandfather. How, how old are you, though? Uh, I'm 28. Um, so I've been hunting for 16 years um, legally in the state. Uh, we can start <laughs> at 12. Um, but shooting archery was my whole entire life. And just being the outdoor life, I mean, cutting deer and butchering and uh, farm work and so on and so forth, is that's what I grew up around. So. I've been doing it my whole entire life and chasing whitetails with the gun and um, with the bow uh, just every day, every, you know, every season I'm out there waterfowl hunting or whatever. Hunting, fishing, loving every day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Trev, um, they got a hard line as as 12 years old. You have to be in order to actually uh, purchase a license and actually take, take an animal. Same here. Same here, actually. Oh, yeah, so it's it's 11 years old. You you can go and take your course at 11 and a half, and then at 12 you get a license. Right. Um, and then you can hunt. Um, you can start hunting at 12 years old, uh, but you have to be under supervision. Yeah, accompanied by someone 16 year older, 16 years of age or older. That's um, licensed. That's licensed for more than three years, and then um, and then at 16, then you can hunt on your own. Um, you don't have to be within supervision of somebody. Huh. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I was hunting. I was hunting at ten by myself. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so. man. I mean, Shay, you'd be surprised on how difficult it is to live in this liberal area. I mean, you not that you have to watch over your shoulder, but you just you just have to be cautious on who you're talking to or disclosing stuff. Uh, again, it's just a jam packed area of people. And everyone's got an opinion. The best way I could put it, it's like a real-life Facebook, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Where we live, yeah, this yeah. area. I mean, you drive four hours north. I was just up there for a trade show with Nor'easter Game Calls. And I'll tell you is that with Mark. And uh, there was kids up there that were like five years old shooting AR-15s, killing bears. I mean, and you don't. there's no age limit. You can hunt at any. So it, it was it was crazy to me. These kids come up and be like, yeah, I shot this bear. They shot a 200-pound black bear. And I'm like, I've never even seen a black bear. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm like, this is so badass. And that's only three hours, four hours north of us. I mean, yeah. I've seen black bears, obviously, but I was just joking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say the only thing here is, like, you have to be able to take your hunter safety course and pass the test. Um, and then you don't have to have your uh, firearm owner identification card until you are 16. So, you know, your dad just gives you a gun or, you know, a bow if, if you're up for that task, you know, at, at a young age. And uh, that's really all you got to have. You just go buy a license and then you're good to go as long as you can pass that test, man. 
That's awesome. So that is awesome. Such a such a different, you know, take on everything just throughout the geography of, of the country. It's really cool. I mean, I, I don't know how many miles you guys are. You probably got a good idea driving all the way out here, but I mean, you guys have the same passion we have. I mean, you're just starting into whitetail D rock, but you're, you've still been hunting, you know, and growing into whitetail and, and, you know, Kirk's right. It is a rabbit hole. Once you start and you get a little bit of success, then you're hooked. You know, it's like, uh, it's like with any, any young boy, they do something, they see a reward at the end and then it makes them want to do it more. But it's cool for me to, you know, be a thousand miles apart and you got, and to talk to someone that has the same passion for hunting that we do here in the Midwest, you know, because we know there's a ton of hunters out on the East, but you don't hear a lot from them. You know what I mean? And, and that's, you know, not, not to transition right now quite yet. Cause I kind of want to stay on the subject, but that's kind of a, uh, part of our mission is not everyone knows about East coast and there's so many critters you can hunt on the East coast from, from tip to tip from Maine to Florida. It just, the dynamics change and the climates change as well as the critters. And it's really truly limitless. It's like its own What you see the best way I can put it is what you see in the East coast is basically what you can hunt in Alaska versus species numbers of species not exactly the species but the number of species it's that dynamic i mean it, you're getting everything from you know north to south from snow to all the way to to the grimy humidity of florida i mean the critters are changing and that's something we said and i i encourage you guys to reach out because there's places like uh west virginia i love west virginia for the sole fact that their dnr they drop. You guys familiar with white buffalo at all? I'm not. No, we got okay. we got good friends from Virginia, but uh, I I don't know what white buffalo is. All right, well, white buffalo. Let me enlighten you boys a little bit. White white buffalo is a invasive species management group uh, that travels the world. Actually, uh, they do focus mainly in the United States, and what they really are is a tactical group, mainly at night. To, and they have permits for this, of course, it's all legal, to eliminate any invasive species or um, herds. It's herd management in, in layman's terms. Uh, so it's a very costly group to hire for any state or any town in a state. So what West Virginia did after many years of hiring this, this group is they actually smartened up a bit and DNR provides a course where they encourage bow hunters specifically to come and try out. It's like a trial period or a class. And it's very simple to get. And even for a non-resident, you come in, you pay for the course, pay for the class. And, excuse me, Shabin Burp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what it is, is a non-resident specifically, you, you take a course and you have to shoot. And I believe it's an eight-inch group at 30 yards. And you pass the class with just that. And what that allows you to do is you take up to seven doe tags before season. I think it's a month before season open in West Virginia as a non-resident. And you get seven doe tags and it doesn't count against your regular season if you wanted to continue to hunt West Virginia. Jeez, man. Um, you're 
Your deer numbers must be insane. I was say from been, the from what we've heard is you can just get them doe tags that you know they call them kill tags from what we've heard, and they're just handing them out like candy. Well, I mean that that's the management that need that needs to happen. Um, there's there's a reason why I, I strongly believe in this uh, the management zones and the bait zones. Um, for example, I know right around New Jersey, even all the way down to West Virginia and Virginia, there's certain areas it's 65 deer per square mile. And that being said, especially Connecticut, we still have no cases of CWD. Mm. So I, I really strongly believe it's because of the deer management and what we're capable of doing. It's like, that's, that's what it takes. And the anti, which is, um, you know, lacking education and awareness, they don't understand. Yeah. It's a living creature, but even bacteria has to be eliminated, which it is living, uh, to properly manage and have a good life and upbringing. It's the same goes all the way up to uh, something big, a big mammal like a deer. I mean, it gets to the point where it gets invasive. It starts creating new bacteria and you have to manage that. It's a hard concept to grasp. But I mean, if you look at the bigger spectrum, it's all relative, even down to the smallest um, microorganism. I could see it being a problem with Connecticut being such a small state with all them people, you're obviously going to want to eliminate more deer for, for, you know, car crashes. And, you know, if there's any ag out there at all, I mean, 65 deer per square mile, that can do some damage for yeah, sure. They'll, they'll clear it out. No problem. So. Without a doubt. Yeah. We get like crop damage permits and so on and so forth on some of the farms, um, tree farm, you know, your Christmas tree farms, your pumpkin farms, your, I mean, you name it, anything that they're going in and destroying, I mean, we, we can get um, crop damage permits, which gives you endless amounts of tags also. And then if that persists, then we get a jack lighting permit and so on and so forth. I mean, because some of these areas get so overgrown with um, with whitetails, uh, the herd population gets so high and you just you have to do it. It's 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 inevitable. Man, that'd be a blast just to be able to go out and just just smoke dough after dough after dough yeah. after dough. There's nothing that would get your confidence and and like skill level up of just being able to harvest, you know, kill that many deer after deer after deer. So I'm, I'm jealous of that yourself. guys, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You call yourself between harvesting and killing because yeah. like, you're not harvesting, you're killing. I mean, that's yeah. a deer management. And a lot of people get that, that twisted a lot of the times around here is that it, this, we're not, we're not harvesting. That's, that's killing. That's literally savagely killing. And that's why we had the slogan playing and slaying because I mean we're just having fun with it and and we're slaying. And just to give a good uh, picture or paint the picture correct is although we might be out there playing and slaying, all the meat goes to homeless shelters and it gets donated. So it's going to a good cause. Not only are we just, um, you know, practicing proper deer management. But at the same time, it's providing for people of less fortunate aspects. You know, they, they need to eat too. And we're providing the state a service that saves them money at the same time, helps out for the less fortunate. So it's, it's a big circle, man. It, it just, you involve yourself as much as you can for the greater good. Uh, not everyone, especially in our area, understands that. And it's hard to grasp. 
But I guarantee if you take their technology away, take away the accessibility to supermarkets, uh, and just bring everyone back up. Um, good examples like The Walking Dead, the show out there. Shameless plug for them, you know. <laughs> is, um, you you get back to your roots, and you have to survive. If you put survival in the picture, how many of those people that are antis or or liberals or even just uneducated are going to be reaching out to people like us straight up? I mean, that's yep. some real shit right there. Yeah, most definitely will. I mean, we we get that all the time. We got we just got a post pulled today for content. Yeah, that was not not good. Yeah, that's getting a little out of hand, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was against community guidelines or some some bullshit that they said. <laughs> <laughs> Who reads those? No one knows. <laughs> In all retrospective, but that's that's against like freedom of speech. So I mean, we could go on a tangent with that. You know? <laughs> Don't get me going on liberals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I was trying to should be to that one. Should be. There you go. But we we just finished recording. I don't know when you'll release this, this episode, but uh, we just finished recording tonight, March uh, 28th, I believe it is tonight, with uh, Noyster Game Calls, our, our game call sponsor. And he was listing all the game calls. He's like, if you could hunt it, I got a call for it. I'm like, you got a liberal call? <laughs> <laughs> nice. He needs, to, he needs to make one just as a prop. To yeah. Sell. I would That's say, what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Just yeah, just for he, some some artist. exposure. Yeah. Oh, and, and you know what? Uh real quick, uh not to kinda butt in too much or get or gavin too much, but I just want to shout out to Matt Futere. Really cool dude, man. It was really cool to uh lay down a track with him. Trev and I actually had a really good episode with him. A really cool dude, man. It, it's just it's it's awesome what not just the hunting industry how it brings people together, but just podcasting in general. It's, it's, uh, something that a lot of people are missing out on. I think. Yeah. He's, he's someone, he's something else. He's, he's really an awesome guy. And I just sat back and just took it all in and just listened to him. He's, he's not only a broadhead, um, inventor, but just, he's a rocket scientist. That guy is a <laughs> rocket scientist. Yeah. It, it was a pleasure. Him and his wife. Actually. Yeah. I would say he's got a he's got a mind for um, a lot of people to really dig into, and it takes some time to get through it all. And he's a he's a pretty good dude, but Sydney's really the badass of the of the household. <laughs> yeah, there. That's true. I agree. I agree. It, it was really cool having her on too. And she she brought she brought a lot of comic relief to the to the field episode. Yeah, I I love Cindy. Um, she's even better in person. We we got to hang out with her quite a bit at the ATA show. And uh, check out her her awesome buck that she harvested, uh, I think a couple years ago. So um, that was super cool, and I mean she's just a sweet woman. I I, I could definitely agree on that, man. And funny at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. She she was. She's like four foot tall. Though. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm not Yeah, she was getting the ball busting at the ATA booth. She she, yeah. she can give it out just as good as taking it. She kept Matt right in line. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not sure who's running that household, but I got a I got a place to put my bet. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been kind of beating around the bush here a little bit, but you guys started a podcast uh, a little over six months ago. So, kind of describe your show and what your mission is. You want me to take this, Trucks? I just want to say it's raw, real, and no bullshit. 
and off of that, what he means exactly is, uh, we, we started the podcast on initially the mission to educate, uh, especially our area. It's much needed um, for the simple fact that we have a lot of judgment going on around us. And we really want to provide something for hunters out there, like, like-minded people like you and I, that flood the East Coast, give them a platform where they could go on and feel comfortable and be themselves without being judged. That was first and foremost. Uh, mainly targeting new hunters uh, for the simple fact of bringing conservation numbers up, uh, as well as bringing the old hunters that, for whatever reason, life hit, hit them square in the balls or or in between the legs for the ladies out there, is just to get them back into the woods because life can really throw curveballs and sometimes you get away from your passion. So we wanted to provide that first and foremost. Um why we started podcasting goes really deep in that in that factor. Because uh, Trev and I hunted all our lives, and and especially bow hunted, uh, obvi- for the obvious reason, the longer season. And that really came out, and, and I found my niche uh, appearing on the working class bow hunter because I'm inner city, and slaying a big buck behind a local McDonald's. Um just off the beaten path of a road behind a dumpster where it was bedded and I had permission on, it kind of put me on the map because it brought different dynamic of where you can get that. And we really, Trev and I, I think I could speak for Trev. We really owe a lot of our credit and success, which is now successful anyways, to working class bow hunter because Kirk Geyer has been there every step of the way and, and, in all retrospect, he's well, I'm a product of, of working class bow hunter. Um, for the simple fact that they're the OGs of the hunting podcast industry. I mean, they they set the pace, and it seems like I mean maybe it's just my view of things, but it seems like they just set the pace for everyone to lay down the same foundation. And out of that, I saw great podcasts arise and and be born like yourselves. I mean. Cody and homie, you guys were short to follow and, and everyone has their learning curve and you see the growth from the very first episode to now. I mean, it's really cool just to see every podcast grow and you have all different types of of hunting podcasts too. And, and it's, I think the main, uh, roots of it all is each individual out there really wants to provide something that they want to hear and put that out on the map and put it on blast because you have your educational podcast, which I have nothing against anyone out there doing it because it's, it's hard work. So if you grind and you're, you're providing a service of education or even just to be out there and be heard, I tip my hats to you. But for example, like uh, big buck registry, out of New Hampshire, they're very, very informative and they cross their T's and dot their I's and they really provide a lot of good, solid information. Is it for everyone? No, it's not for everyone. Is our show, East Coast Bowhunting Podcast, for everyone? No. 
Dude, you should see the hate mail that D Rock gets. Not <laughs> person, but the hate mail for the for everything that I say, and I get scrutinized. Trust me, I get scrutinized. But if they lived my shoes for one day in the hood, they would understand why things come across the way they do. I'll, I'll just be gentle on that subject. Yeah, you can say um, you can say dirty water on here. <laughs> I'm saying like even even some of the reviews I get. I mean. The best review that always sticks out in my mind, uh, it was on iTunes. He's like, uh, clean up the language is the title, right? Well, we're trying to make education fun. And what I mean by that is Trev and I are on that mission, not only to educate, but spread the love. And the average man, or I hate to use this term, but it's the best way I could put it, the high school dropout, right? The person that's really good at other things except for school. Yeah. How do you think that dude or that lady is going to want to learn? It's not from looking at the chalkboard. It's relating to someone that's cracking beers and actually laying down some knowledge. You know, so we really just want to bring that comfortable feel to the education process and just make everyone tune in in the sense of it's cool if you're a fuck up. It's cool if you're a school nerd. It's like, shit, most of my friends in high school were school nerds because I had to stick up for them you know, corny motherfuckers. It's like, it's, you know, someone has, someone has to stick up for them. Right. Yeah. It's like, I did good in school and I was, I was blessed to have enough attention span to do so, but not everyone has the same aspects. And then you got to really soak that in. I mean, the whole thing with like the deer camp, you know, in deer camp, does it really matter where you come from or exactly. what you do? No, exactly. it doesn't matter. Everybody talks to everybody the same. We swear we talk deer. And we drink beer. I mean, that's just that's just how we roll. And it's, it's amongst other things. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's just it's just it makes everything just a comfortable place to learn and a comfortable place to listen um, when you get that that whole deer camp feel. And, and I, I know we're on a roll, so please interrupt us uh, if you need to. Um, but uh, uh, we are. Go ahead. Oh no, just the one thing I was going to say is you know you had brought up you know put out what you want to hear, and you know that's what Cody and I have done. Um, I really enjoy listening to our show as much as, you know, that sounds weird to anybody, but Happy you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want it to seem like that, but you know, no, no, I get it though. I get um, it. I mean, I listen to a podcast before it comes out probably two times. And then I listen to it when it's actually on iTunes or, you know, out to every, everywhere that we put it to. And, um, you know, just, to being able to hear it and listen to that guest again. Um, you know, we just had Jason on here last week and, uh, we met up with him at ATA and that guy is just literally a ball of fire. And, uh, you know, it was really good to just to hear everything he had to say again, listen to his elk story. And, um, you know, just a, a good dude who's done a lot for this country. And, um, you know, I just enjoy listening to kind of how, Everybody comes on the show and has a good time. That's the best part too, man. That really is the best part. How um, how you go onto a show as a guest and you leave as a friend, and that's probably the best part. Um, I don't want to transition there quite yet because I have a lot to say. Because <laughs> uh, I know you guys have an outline, but uh, it, it that's it really- big, man. We 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 have that outline because 
we we weren't good in school either. We have to have a, something to keep <laughs> us on track a little bit. <laughs> hey. We'll be way off in left field talking about high heel shoes and some shit. So Bro, D's gotta, get degrees. <laughs> yeah, that's only when I'm working the streets. So keep that in the hush. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, on some real shit is is this podcast game. Um, I mean. Like I said, you know, uh, made the debut on WCB and then made the transition. Uh, I ran into Trev in February of 2018, as a matter of fact. And uh, he was running CT bow hunting, uh, which was very state specific and uh, uh, not knocking it at all whatsoever. It was very state concentrated and smaller spectrum. And what he was bringing to the table is like, dude, everyone needs to hear this shit. And it was at a trade show here in Connecticut. I told him, like, dude, you guys should think about, you know, doing a podcast. And that was, you know, that was not at its peak for podcasting, but definitely when it was on a a really steep incline going towards the top of the mountain, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, oh, who the fuck is this long-haired motherfucker with a gold chain? <laughs> let me, you know, rocking. Yeah, rocking. Go ahead. I want to. I want to hear this. Let me. I don't. You guys haven't met D Rock or seen D Rock other than in pictures, right? So this dude walks up to me. He's wearing a gold ass fucking chain with a with a cross on it, long ass braided hair, a ball cap on, and a Rolex gold fucking watch. Okay, and I'm like. Oh, man, not another one of these. Now, mind you, we're in the middle of the city. This is Hartford, Connecticut. It's the capital. So it's this is the city, and I'm not from the city. or Which is on our logo, which the original our, logo. That's yeah, right, because yeah. that's where we met. But it's um, it was just it was just crazy to me because this dude walks up to me all golded out. He looked like, uh, uh, what is that, uh, Mr. T, and he walks <laughs> up, and he's like, Yo, you need a podcast, bro. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so just, and, and we met, we met uh, for drinks and wrote on a napkin, and we're here today. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. It, and what we're trying to spread and the people that we met, it's just, it's incredible in the time that we've done this. And, and, go ahead. No, 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 please. Uh, well, to uh, bounce off the mission, though, the initial mission was that, but it, podcasting and the hunting industry is is my passion um for the sole purpose of the connections and networking i even like us talking to you guys right now like right now it seems like you know no big deal we just hitting hitting each other up having phone conversation but it has the butterfly effect not only are we spreading the knowledge from east coast and I don't know if we're doing a good job of it because we're a bunch of hooligans, but at the same time, your listeners are, are tuning in because they might be curious. Maybe they want to venture out the East Coast and don't really know where to head up. And we encourage everyone, your listeners, our listeners, to kind of bounce back and forth and ask questions because I think uh, I could speak for the four of us right now. We do a good job of answering back to those questions. I mean, I feel like I know you guys and I haven't even met you guys just through social media. If yeah, no, we say that to people all the time. And, and it's just crazy, but that's what it is. And to get back onto the mission, it's not just education, but uh, it, it's all about the brotherhood. Uh, I've been working on this whole brotherhood and I'll elaborate for shit. It must be going on six years now. Um, but the past three years really hitting it hard, especially with Kurt Geyer um, from WCV and, and 
it's just it's something that we're trying to mold the hunting industry into what it used to be before there was technology, before there was contracts, before people sued each other. It was all based on the handshake. The handshake meant something. Nowadays, you you shake hands with someone, you don't know if they're going to stab you in the back nowadays. So what we're bringing back to the hunting in- industry is just spreading that love, the unity. I even wrote a piece on this. It, it kind of, I don't want to say went viral, but it got a lot of attention. I wrote a piece on unity, and it was after the Iowa Deer Classic. You know, uh, God rest his soul, his soul, Todd from Tree Thrasher and his family, bless his family. Got to talk to J- Jason Science and had him on the podcast, which will be releasing soon. Um, he said the theme, it, it really touched home. The theme of the Iowa Deer Classic was unity. And it was really cool to just see that. It was gun hunters, trappers, bow hunters all came together and, and we raised over $60,000 in an auction for, for Todd and his family. Nice. Yeah, man. And and that's what it's about, man. It's just this industry is so it can turn into that high school phase, if that makes any sense. In the sense oh, of yeah. the segregation is like if if every hunter is worried about conservation, right? Why the hell are we separating each other into categories? Why the hell are we not educating the anti-hunters? Like, listen, you want to take tags away from hunters? Invest. Buy tags. Keep them in your pocket. Don't use them. It's one less tag for another hunter. Because you know what? That money is going towards conservation, the the ultimate goal, saving Mother Earth, saving the natural preserves, saving the species. And it all bounces around the bigger circle, the bigger picture on conservation and the brotherhood. And, and it could be a sisterhood. I mean, just family and unity and the fact that we're all on the same team. There's enough room for everyone out there doing their own thing. The hunting industry is so close and close niche group that there's enough space for everyone. And I kind of want to touch on this. This is a very exclusive information that I have to be vague on, but I think you guys can use your imagination. There's a lot of different products out there being made. It's always something innovative and people represent and help each other out. I mean, you guys, for example, are you, you're helping out Matt, as Matt helps out you guys in your guys' own way and, and agreement that you guys have, which is a really cool thing because he's out of Texas. You guys are out of Illinois, correct? Yeah. 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 So that dynamic, I think, is fucking awesome. The fact that you're from Illinois, he's from Texas, and you guys are making an agreement to help each other out. And that's that's a beautiful thing. Everyone should follow suit. Now... It's just crazy how one product can come out with something, and because there's a contender in the same field, then there's a problem. I think that's absolutely absurd. Why does there have to be a problem in in the fact of uh, providing something similar but totally different aspects? And you'll see what I mean in the in the near future. You'll see it on social media. This is very very current. Like I found out about this tonight. There's always some kind of discrepancy and potential patent patent infringement, whereas it's like, who cares, man? You know, it's like you do you. As long as it's not an exact replica, let people grow. 
because all it is is options. Not everyone's going to be on the same page in the same boat. There's so many different hunters out there that there's room for everyone. Point of the story. I'm sorry. I'm I'm rambling, rambling <laughs> man right now. But point of the story is just spread that love and the unity. Let's get all on the same side. You know, even even podcasting is like we want to grow a brotherhood with podcasts. This way we all help each other out and get all the listeners listen to all of us. One big circle. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's so much different information to every podcast. Why can't why can't we just all be on the same team? Straight up. Yep. Yeah. Sure. And I don't know anybody that only listens to one podcast. Exactly. That's what I tell everybody. You know, I mean if, if everybody we, listens to five, six podcasts, most people, you know what I mean? I would say if we didn't want to spread the love, I mean we wouldn't have had you on. We've had uh the Element podcast on. Tyler and uh um uh Cody, what's the guy with the flow? I don't know. Uh, CJ, CJ, it's been a year. I say, man, it's been a while. Uh, but the Element Podcast, we had them on, like episode forty six, forty seven. Um, really good show that Cody and I both like, and we we got to run into them guys at ATA, and um, you know we we're finally getting this one scheduled and getting it in here. So, um, just like Cody said, you know nobody listens. I can't imagine just somebody listening to one podcast and be like, okay, this is this is filling all of my needs, you know. Just like you said earlier, D-Rock, you know, you got them educational ones, you got them really loose ones that are entertaining, and then, you know, maybe a mix of both, you know, a little education, little little knowledge, so... Um, you know, and then I mean, most most episodes are you know hitting that forty five minute to an hour and a half mark, and um, there's multiple days in a week, and and a lot of shows only release one episode a week. Um, you know, there's a lot of extra time in there that could be filled with another show. So, uh, just like you said, man, we we love spreading the love, we love shouting people out. You know, I feel like that's all Cody and I do, and we love doing it. Um, giving people the recognition that they deserve and um, building the brotherhood. And that's amen. That's a huge amen. thing. I do that. So a little bit about me is I do taxidermy uh, in the off season when I'm not fishing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we kind of with the brotherhood thing is we do that with other taxidermists in in the area. Like we work together, we bounce ideas back and forth off of each other and. It, it just it there's plenty of deer out there and they're all going to go to a taxidermist so we might as well just help one another and, and succeed and just have a better product in the long run so i don't know if you're kind of breaking a little trade secret there or not but are you getting outsourced you know a, a, a bunch of bureaus that a guy who's strictly doing or strictly wants to do more shoulder mounts are you getting some of his business as long as, or as well as your own so, so what I was talking about was Euro guy to Euro guy. We do the Demers to Beatles. Oh, okay. Um, so we we'll, we'll trade back trade secrets there. But to answer your question, that is true. A lot of the big taxidermy places they would boil uh, their their Euro mounts mm-hmm. um, and do it that way. Um, so a lot of times they will do a wholesale price and we will do all of their Euros for them. Um, yeah, we know guys that do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's be a better end product. You know, the and, Beatles are something totally different, man. And, it's And what it's, sucks it's, is, you know, I mean, I guess that guy's getting and it's there's it's more than just in the taxidermy, you know, aspect of, of the hunting industry, but 
the guy who's actually doing the work is not getting the credit and but he's getting paid you know he's getting paid whatever he wants to charge if he says i want to charge 75 dollars for a euro and then you know the taxidermist that outsourced it to him charges a hundred well you can't really bitch about it because you got paid what you would charge if it walked through your door so right it's kind of a weird thing to me and, and you know just i mean before we really dove into anything in the outdoor industry you know it's just one of the things that you have no idea what's going on the one guy that you took your head to you showed up said hey here you go i want a euro mount but actually a guy that's 200 miles away boom doing the work and shipping it back to the guy and then he's taking the credit like hey man i got your euro done you know three weeks three weeks here you go yeah see that was my my hardest thing my hardest thing with doing wholesale uh with the demersta beetles was that is that i wasn't getting the credit that i think that i deserved um when those people can ship them right to me or can come right to me to do it and uh it was just a tough thing because they would put their name on it on yep. something that i did and something like that is just artwork um in my eyes um every skull is something that's different it's like a picasso painting to me uh, I yeah, really sure. Heart, you know. Oh yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of time, and it when really you, honestly is when you're done with it, you're you're proud of it, and I don't think that you could even put it on your on your social media to be like, hey, I did this because technically you didn't do it, you know. Correct, because it's going somewhere else. Yeah, and, one on a boat, and that guy's I putting his name like on that. it. Well, it was it got to the level where it was going on to there's it was going on to social media and I couldn't stand up and say that it was mine. Yeah. And so we have to all, you know, it, that's a tough part. And, and the worst part is, is like there was a specific account that uh, Trev did a lot of work for, man. And and it boils down to that unity and love thing, man, It's just us being who we are and we want to help everyone out, especially locally. We push local really, really hard. Um, someone that Trev kind of looked up to, uh, shout out Chris Brockett, you know, yeah. uh, he's another taxidermist, local bracket. Taxidermist. bracket, 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 <laughs> bracket. My bad. My bad. <laughs> we always get it mixed up. We get it mixed up. It's, yeah. We always get it mixed up because Chris Brockett and then there's Chris Brackett. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sorry, <laughs> but no, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I mean, just helping him out, uh, Trev went above and beyond and we had him on the show and then it, it created problems w- with him for another account and they couldn't believe that we were promoting him versus them. And it's like, well, damn, you know, uh, man, I almost slipped with the N word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, if everyone lived my shoes for one day, they would understand that's what happened. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, damn, man, it's just. It's it's one big family here, and it's okay if we promote someone else because you're next in line. And we actually had them in our views to have them on the show, yeah. and because of how everything went down, I mean, shit. I mean, not to bring our segment onto your show, but what rattles my fucking antlers is the fact that you can't be yourself, and you can't spread the love without looking over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that's just yeah. crazy to me, man. It's just crazy. I mean, yeah. you can ask homie. I put myself out there and I do shit for people all the time, you know, for, for nothing. That's just the person I am. But it, you, 
you have to be careful in the hunting industry. I don't think like the podcast game is bad, but I know the video games is bad. There's people that edit stuff for other people and then other people take credit for it as they edited it. Or, I mean, it gets deep And this. And just to go back to you talking about, you know, the industry and patents, I mean, it's bad for that stuff to happen. But if you look at, multiple brands like the Sid Crusher Ozonics deal that happened, you know, I mean, I mean that the the same kind of thing is a patent deal where Ozonics put the work in, they got the patent, Sid Crusher came in. Did they have, did they both have products that would work? Yes. But Ozonics put the money in to buy the patent. It's, it's just like anything you can't, I mean, everything's got a patent reason. Just like this year, uh, Black Widow, had a huge problem with the company coming out with something similar to that they did mm-hmm. a, a giant problem. Like it was, it was all over Facebook with how this company just was a ripoff. I'm very and, with that, yeah. Yeah. And like you say, they should be sharing the love, right? But it's all, it's, it all goes back to a competition. Just like you said, it's high school shit. And it's, it's people trying to better their business other you know other people which i understand it man if, if a guy went through did the work got the patent and something came along like a, the scent crusher deal ozonic has all rights to do that if black widow had us uh and you guys uh, have a derivative uh partnership with someone don't you a set lock or something like that yeah we have sit lock yeah yeah then that's what i mean it's like i mean everyone's in the same realm with those three it's like but I get what you're saying. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah. Oh no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, same thing. I mean, Sitlock is is in the ozone game now. Uh, they did it where they didn't infringe on patents. You know what I mean? So it's like there's everybody. Creativity in the industry is hard to find. Someone comes out with something that's like something else to maybe better it, right? But if it's if it's in the if it's in the, the lines, it's in the lines. You know what I mean? So it's it's sad to see, but it's just the way it is, man. And I and I hear a lot of podcasts, you know, saying the same stuff, you know, well, uh, you know, this guy's copying my exact show, you know what I mean? So it's the same thing. Spread the love. Everybody there's not everybody's gonna shoot the same broadhead, not everybody's gonna use the same deer lure, not everybody's and as many people as in the industry, you'd think they'd be like, you know, we got enough, but no one's ever happy with that. So right. Right. that's my yeah. rant on that. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm glad you shared that because that, that brings that you struck a, a, a nice chord that reminded me of something. And uh, Kurt and I touched on this Um when we were in Iowa, actually, where we were at the Airbnb, we shared an Airbnb, the, the two crews, which was really cool. And it's all about the unity. I mean, that, that's just the thing. It's like they're the first ever podcast to be title sponsor of another podcast. And some people be like, oh, well, that's why uh, East Coast might have this, the success or whatnot. And you know what? It, it very well may be a big part of it. But at the same time, they saw something in us the same way I saw something in them because I was on the underground. No one even knew Mm D-Rock until uh, this past year. And it's for a reason, though. I I stayed, not to sound like a creeper, but I kind of stayed in the shadows until it was my time and and finding the right people like Trev and and our other co-host, Ryan the Porn Star. 
It's just like, oh, and by the way, if you're if you're at work and you need cable done, don't call him because he likes to woo the ladies. <laughs> and when he means underground, he was actually you know how we talk about the dirty water. He's from the dirty water. He That's was under the dirty life. water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all coming to light now. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, I'm, the, I'm the master splinter in the hunting industry. <laughs> yes. I, I know everyone out there from coast to coast. If I don't know someone, I, I know a guy that knows someone. And that's what it's about, though, the connections. And oh, where, yeah. I going, where I was going with that is is just having that brotherhood of another podcast helping another podcast and then evolving into something bigger, though. There's such a bigger picture of trying to mold that industry to the point that it goes back to the handshake. I mean, I'm, I'm about to get put you guys on to a a little trade secret and I will make this be known because I encourage everyone out there with any small business, especially the hunting industry. This is how you approach a sponsor. It ain't about the money. And trust me, Trev and I have heavily invested in this and a lot of people might get misconstrued on what we receive in return, but the best way to approach it to any sponsor is you base it off the handshake. It's not, it's not about the money, man. It really isn't. The money comes with time. You get to prove yourself. Like the old days, you have my word. You you slap hands, give them dap, knuckles, whatever it takes, that handshake, and be like, listen, just give me your product. Let, let me show you what we can do with your product, and we'll spread the love because we're on the same team, and then the money comes after. And trust me. Part of the success and the majority of the success is that I know I'm beating a dead horse with it, but it's that love and unity, that handshake. I mean, I'm the only damn Mexican that was able to break that wall for WCB. I mean, shit, I walked right through as one of the the workers there and made things happen for them. They saw it. They saw the hard work. And guess what? You didn't climb it. No, nah, I dug under, made some tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's keeping you know him honest. <laughs> you, you, you know how we do. If there's a river, we're swimming it too. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, they call us wetbacks for a reason. We we make it happen. But uh, no, nah, on all seriousness, though, is is you got to bring it back to what you know and, and bringing that handshake back because it's a it's really a lost art, man. It really is. Yeah, I was born on the whole. You're not. A, you're not. You're not nothing but your word, or your handshake, and that's what means the most. And that's something that I was built on, and and D Rock belief on that, and we just kind of guided it together, and it's it's just all come to light. Yeah, yeah I don't, for sure, I, man. I don't know what kind of. I don't know if you guys hunt mostly public or private. Um, you I haven't really talked about that on your show for me to know but you know i know here where cody and i are um a big thing is you know people coming in from you know way way away like even you guys you know people from your area coming here you know like illinois you know giant bucks you know get a hunt over corn corn fields you know bean fields standing and you know these farmers or these landowners are you know wanting to see the money so the handshake deals kind of going away just like you guys are talking about you gotta get into somebody's face with the check 
to be able to hunt a place that's you know relatively good and um it's a it's a bad trend but that's that's the way it's going and I don't think there's any way to stop it now because in the end, the person who owns the land is going to get paid. And that's something here on the East coast in the Northeast. We, uh, that kind of goes, it's, it's something that doesn't happen here. And it's a great thing. There's, I mean, it does and it doesn't a lot of the, a lot of the old time farmers and stuff here are just all about the, the handshake. You offer them money. They will literally tell you, you are not, allowed to hunt here when you're asking permission because they're just so all about the handshake and Man, that'd be perfect yeah face to face and you can't you can't buy these old-time farmers up here these new england farmers no you they not buy them they need to trust you yeah and that's it, what it is yeah you go throw hay for them they'll give you permission yep you go and you help around the farm you milk whatever you got to do i mean i've gone in and helped tons of farmers just to get a uh, goose hunt permission and that's because you know, I'll be like, "Oh, I'll give you a let me get a day uh, day lease for fifty or hundred bucks." No, you need to do work for me, and I need to trust you, and that's that's how it goes. And, and you know what? This is so. I'm glad you guys bring this up because out Midwest, I am well aware of what it takes to get hunting permission. Um, best way to approach it, really. I mean, and if we want to really focus on conservation, which I, I'd like to believe that's our ultimate goal, all of us, especially us four here on this line, is uh, women is the key to really open up that door. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really staying adamant on this subject because they bring a lot to the table as far as being able to bring more women into, into the industry, for one. For two, they have a more not of course they're more attractive than than us ugly fucks but um women in general uh are more trustworthy and the fact that it, it, it's sexist to even say this but just the fact that you will more likely trust a woman over a guy knocking at your door you have a guy a big guy like one of us bearded dude especially east coast all tatted up and some gauges in your ears or or me with a gas gold chain is like, who the fuck is at my front door? Like, what the hell? You know, should I go get my gun? Like, but you have a woman approach and they could be in their everyday attire. They're going to go answer the door and see what's up. You know what I mean? And, and I think that might be a, a easier approach. Like get, get your women involved. Um, every, I mean, both of y'all are family, men. God bless y'all and your family. Get, get your women to do your dirty work. Be like, listen, you know, my husband is a hunter. He provides for the family, this and that. I mean, I just think it'd be an easier approach, especially for them hard permission lands. And, and it'll get some involved. And it really opens up the eyes to those people that are all money hungry out there. Yeah, or you just never give up. <laughs> I asked the guy five years in a row. And he finally <laughs> let me off. Yeah. That's back, insane. Goes back to the habitat. Goes back to the habitat stuff, you know. We got we have to do a bunch of habitat work to be able to maintain that property, which we're more than happy to do. So but. that's cool, man. So tell us a little bit about you guys. You know, the, we're we're talking. I know this this is the episode that that you bring East Coast on, but we want to know a little more about you. You two, uh, let's get to know Homie and Cody. We don't really get to hear about you guys too much on 
on your episode. It's say, usually uh, focused. Yeah, we just love, you know, like I said before, just shouting people out that come on, you know, um, the rise, last breath, uh, Josh Prophet, um, the Learning Curve Outdoor Web Series. You know, just a bunch of guys that come on and really helped shape our show into what it's what has become. Uh, we can't thank all them guys enough, and you know, we really just love shouting people out. We we created our show with the purpose of letting the we don't we if you've looked we. We had we had Steve on because he messaged us to come on. Yeah, that was crazy. No one else. <laughs> yeah, no one else in the hunting industry, right? Unless it's a podcast or something. And that was our main drive was we wanted to hear from people that no one knew about, right? Just like you guys, we want to promote hunting, right? We want to show people that we if if I love this if I love hunting this much. I feel like other people could too, right? Just mm-hmm. like you guys, you know, you have that passion instilled on you. And I feel like once you get that into someone, it never goes away. Your circumstance might change. You might lose ground, but we try to motivate people to that might not have a lot of ground or it's just a small guy hunting a tiny piece to motivate, to be like, man, you know what? I if these podunk guys in Illinois hunting a 21 acre piece can get it done, I can get it done too. So but about me, man, I'm, I I work all the time. I got two kids, one on the way, beautiful wife. and Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. yeah and uh, I run a not very successful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me. And I like to chase big deer. I like to kill big deer. And that's, that's me in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So wh- what about you, homie? Um, I work for the railroad. I've been married. It'll be eight years or oh, I'm, I'm going to have to edit that out. It'll be seven <laughs> years in May. <laughs> uh, it'll be seven years in May. Um, got two, two awesome, beautiful boys. Um, one will be two and a half, almost three in, well, he'll be three in June. And then I, I've got the rut baby. He'll be six months. Um, you know, board November 3rd, of course. So, uh, I work for the railroad. Other than that, um, I'm a part of this non-successful podcast that's trying to build an outdoor media brand and, um, face the daily struggles. And I love turkey hunting a little bit more than your average guy, but big bucks are, big bucks are cool too. Why, why is that, though? Why, why the turkey hunt? Man, you know, anything that can triple its size in a matter of seconds just has my attention. <laughs> I mean, I could go south from there. Yeah, I could go real south. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. I did, you guys I, up for failure. Yeah, I never <laughs> went that way. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's why we have Ryan the porn star. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I see you coming in, dragging your beard on the ground, but when you just come to full strut, I mean, and you're like maybe 12 yards away and your snood is about four and a half inches long, dude, there's, man, that's hard. That's hard to pass up. Ryan, I'm with you on that, man. I, I love gobblers. I Ooh. love killing turkeys and chasing thunder chickens. That's just one of my favorite things. 
just, honestly. Just on, I talked uh, episode 69 when we had Jonathan Stroll on. When you see, when you got, when you're sitting on the edge of a field, shout out Mark Hurley, sit on the edge of a field and it's kind of a foggy April morning. He's close for it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, you got that, that fog just hanging in the field and birds are just hitting all around you. And then that fog burns off, birds flying down right in front of you, just going full strut, coming right into your decoys. I mean, that's hard to beat. But but a one eighty coming in might might top that. <laughs> yeah. True yeah, that. Yeah. Hey, just keep your eyes peeled this season. Uh, we're we're on a mission for quality and evolution, and uh, part part of the evolution obviously is filming. I see you guys been oh, dipping into that. Don't. Too. I, I, I would say at the start of this episode, you talked about, you know, getting into archery and bow hunting and whitetails was a big rabbit hole that Kurt told you about. But, dude, I'm here to tell you, filming, do not do it. Don't do it because it's even, I mean, it's, it's just as big as a rabbit hole. If you want to produce something respectable and quality, because... So say your first year you go out and you get some, you know, good buck action or some good chasing in the rut. And then you're going to come back and play it and be like, well, yeah, that was cool. But, you know, I couldn't really see exactly what that buck was. You know, I seen it with my eyeballs, but just for my, my best friend to see that. It wasn't as good as it could have been. And then next thing you know, you're getting a better camera. And then that camera's not good enough, so you're getting a better lens. And then your lens ain't good enough, so you're upgrading your lens and your body. And then you're trying to get a better editing program. And it, it can get deep real quick, just like, you know, trying to even shoot a deer with a bow. Yep. Yep. We have just as much time in, in filming and editing as we do podcasting right now i bet Shit, yeah, and, we, I mean, and we haven't released anything <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i mean that's what it is though it's uh it's that cra- actually video editing it's going to take up more time than podcasting podcasting i mean if you're comparing the two podcasting is easy yeah i yeah, mean you just listen it's a great platform to get into it's yeah it's real simple to, to get the gear and edit it i mean we got we got Four times the money wrapped in camera gear than we do our podcast. Oh, it's equipment. dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. So. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And but, then the shitty part, the shitty part is, is like it's electronics. So the next year, it's like obsolete. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say that's why I was telling Cody. He was talking about some other editing program, and on we're talking about uh, photo editing program, just strictly photo. I was like, okay, well, we'll probably just buy that, you know, and then you get a year subscription, but we're already two years behind when it come out. So probably by the time we buy it for the whole year, there'll be something better out there, you know, for us to, for everybody to get. And then they're using that. And then our photos don't look as good as their photos would be. So it's just a game, man. Yeah. Right up. It is. Right up. So not to sound redundant. And, and I'm sorry to ask you guys the questions right now, but I'm curious myself. What's your favorite part of podcasting? I want to support Cody if that's all right. Yeah, my favorite part is is the friendships that I've made through podcasting. 
we have we have a group of eight guys that like are ride or die. I think it's eleven. I mean, uh, yeah, eleven. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm I'm counting. Uh, you're counting us in the group. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, so I'm, there's my nine. Fault. My fault. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's nine. three of y'all. we got an invisible porn star too (laughs) there you go no but yeah uh and those guys are rock solid i mean i've made a ton of friends through messengers i get messages from the podcast every day people message me that they've listened or they're sharing pics with me and i talk to everybody right i'm i'm all about the connections all about sharing the love I don't care if you're killing ducks or turkeys or squirrels. I've killed them, so I can talk about it, you know, too. I'm probably not as knowledgeable as you about it, but I could, you know, throw something at you. Um, but, you know, we got a, a group of guys that, like you said, I mean, we've talked to them for over a year now, and I feel like I've met them all, and I haven't met any of them, really. You know, so that's, that's what it is for me. And then – my big thing, the reason we got into podcasting is we wanted to learn ourselves. We wanted to learn from normal people that are super successful. Like, so I got, I got a guy who lives, James Wheeler. He lives 21 miles from my house. Never knew he even existed. And the guy is dropping absolute giants year (laughs) after year after year. And he's under the radar, and he's got two in the 180s, a bunch of 170s, 160s, bow kills, gun kills. And I never knew he was there until I had a podcast. And, and he I works at the out. same place we do. Yeah, and he works at the same place we do. I so. mean, it's just absolute mind-blowing. The why you don't know about him is because he's doing a good job keeping secret. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is. yeah. He is. He's a, he's a real secretive person. He came on our show, and he spent some knowledge and. And he hunts the same way I do real small pieces that no one looks at because that's what you have to do to be able to access stuff. Cause with kids and wife and, you know, expenses, you can't afford to get these big leases around here. So I hunt the the shit that people be like, there's three trees in that waterway, man. What are you doing with your life? (laughs) Literally, literally you drive by and I shoot a giant out of it. And then next thing I know, there's six people hunting the piece next to me. They ain't been hunting in 10 years. You know what I mean? So I kind of have a rep around there of that. And the podcast isn't helping with that at all. I mean, people, (laughs) that's the only bad thing. People find out exactly what you're doing when you have a podcast, but, but Yeah. yeah, man what you disclosed but yeah yeah i Friendships, mean man. yeah because we, we try to just expose everything that we're doing and you know we're trying to help everybody that's you know maybe hunting a small piece that cody and i just hunted and you know like you really got to think about your access and you know a lot of other people started thinking about their access and then next thing you know you're getting a message like hey i heard you talking about this on your podcast i I well, we ran into a guy at a show literally that hunts the next, the next property. But then um, we had to get permission from another guy to be able to access the way we wanted to. And then he started listening, and he's like, "Oh, dude, you're doing this and that." And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, the competing, the competing neighbors, like, yeah, I passed that buck that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was uh. It- Having a show is, is good, you know, because we get to learn so much. But then just like everybody knows that, you know, I mean, Cody's 
Cody's chasing a giant, and then everybody hears about it and starts tuning into the show about, you know, what his update is on the deer. And then, then the then the DMs start popping in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We know about that for sure. Yeah, short answer. I know we're we're podcasters, so we're really good about just talking about bullshit for hours. <laughs> but uh, the short answer the short answer is the friendships that I've made, the connections that I made, and being able to spread my kindness to people that I never would have met anywhere. You know what I mean? I, I'll be anybody's friend. You know, and and we say it on our show message us and it is unbelievable the amount of messages that we get from listeners which is super awesome for us dude you know what i mean yeah. people people want to show me a bear that they killed i'm like i just straight up tell them i know i don't know shit about bears bro but you can teach me you know and i'll have a conversation with you all day i don't know a damn thing about bears though but right. yeah that's that's amazing what the podcast game bring brings to your front door and uh uh, my shout out to Stephen Clark out of out of Virginia, another Virginia boy, man. It's, it seems like that's <laughs> that's the root of the uh, hunting industry recently. But uh, Stephen Clark out of Virginia, he brought me his bear skull at Harrisburg because uh, I'm a Pope and Young measure. He's like, measure this up for me, keep it, um, so you can measure it at your means. Because I, I I'm very diligent and strict on the way I process stuff. I like to have it in my hands in my residence and measure it a few times. So this way, cause I mean, human error is human error. We're all human. I like to measure it a few times. So this way it's consistent in the measurement and I get, get them the best score. And then, you know, knowing Trev through podcasting is I bring, he, you know, he boiled his own skull and tried, tried to clean it up the best he can. And of course, knowing Trev, I just handed off the skull to him and he's hooking it up, you know, uh, degreasing it, going to whiten it up for him. And this is just a listener, a supporter. But yeah. since he's doing us a solid by listening to us and spreading the good the good word and, and the love, we're going to go above and beyond for, for him and do and reciprocate the, uh, the same sentiments and doing everything we can to just show the love. And that's what it's about, man. It just I think we got the same kind of personalities, D-Rock, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we're uh, we're all on the same page, and that's what it's about. And, I, you know, uh, one thing I do want to thank you guys for is I, I know it's been tough lining up the schedules for everything because um, we've been kind of trying to make this happen for quite some time now. Yeah. And and, and it boils it down to the, the working class man is just, I mean, we're out there grinding, and we're all family men, and it's hard to get that balance in line. And, uh, that's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy to, to really, Shabim. it's really crazy just to, uh, get that balance. And, and we do it though. That's the remarkable part is you guys are daddies raising children, teaching them the right way. And that's going to be the key to the next foundation, the next generation to come. It's like, we, we doing it right, man. We do it right. So you guys got everything to be proud about for sure. And, you guys, you guys are killing it too, man. Is is everything's regional and everyone brings something different to to their own show, and it's just really cool to see the growth and everything for sure. Well, we appreciate that. You know, um, when when we release our videos, you know, we're gonna release them on Tuesdays. Uh, 
So we're pretty pumped about that. And you guys, you know, will get to see that we are super passionate about introducing our kids into hunting, whether it's, you know, getting them out there on their first hunt or being able to bring a deer home and let them get their hands on it and, you know, see that the deer has been field dressed and is, is dead and explain to them that we're going to take the hide off of this and we're going to eat it and we're going to eat a lot of this deer, you know, and I, I can't wait for everybody to, to watch how we put our film together because it's pretty much how we talk on this podcast. Yeah. Right. I'm excited to see that too, without a doubt. Hey, um, I have a question for you guys. Uh, this is something we do on our show. Are, that I'm are you interviewing us now? Is that is that what's going I, I on think, here, D Rock? So, man, I, th- <laughs> I think so, man. It just it's been a long time coming, so I got a ton of questions. I'm, I'm a ton. I was say, geez. Well, well, I'm just saying. It's I'm curious because uh, I I always have questions for everyone, and and you guys. Uh, no homo. You guys are on my mind from time to time. And, <laughs> I would say, uh, man, I've listened to you a lot. I know, I know you got some questions for us, so go ahead and line up whatever you got, brother. Well, I want to see your your guys' ninja tip of the day. Um, what do you guys your your best advice to the outdoorsmen, just in general? And, and homie, I want to hear what you have to say first, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, my ninja tip of the day. Coming back to the East Coast bow hunting podcast, um, don't buy into the bullshit. If you think that you need to be doing something different than somebody else is doing because they swear by it, go ahead and do you, man. You know, um, wh- whatever your gut tells you you need to be doing is what you probably should be doing. Um, whether that's experience or something that you have read or you know if you're trying something new just go with your gut because your gut is probably going to prevail nine times out of ten and as we all know when it gets to the rut anything can happen so if you are packing in and you're like well i picked out this tree early season but you know i feel like i should go deeper you probably should go deeper just because your gut's telling you, and you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> j- just listen to your gut, man. You know, I think when we all get out there and we get away from all the technology and all the bullshit, we all have that wild man instinct, and you got to listen to it. Hell yeah. That's that's some solid, solid advice, man. Cody, what you got, man? I'm curious. Can I do, can I do two? I got a a hunting ninja tip. So my life ninja tip is worry, get your priorities, man. I think, I think if you don't have your priorities straight and you're not confident or you're thinking about something else, when you go out into the field hunting, you're not going to be successful, man. And even if you are successful and you get to that moment, you're not going to be in the right mindset to get it done so 
a lot of times for for me, like I want to be, I want to go hunting something fierce, but I I I don't right because I got I got stuff at home I need to get done. And if I went hunting, I feel like I would not be in the right mindset to be out there because I'd be thinking about all the shit I should be doing at the house. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt here. Mostly it's like, well, I got a southwest wind at like four miles an hour. I'm not going to like go in there and bust everything out. I'm like, bro, it's four mile an hour wind. You should probably just go right in there. I'm the most, uh, <laughs> I'm the I'm the safest hunter you're ever Dude, meet in your life. I, it I is. break it down to like a millimeter every detail that you could think about if i'm not even in the right mindset i don't go hunting no he's just like you know well I mean? no dude, 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 dude they got a yeah. chance of picking up the 10 mph out of the southwest there's no way i'm Only like, yeah. I'm like time, bro right? you gotta get aggressive at some point don't you nope nope just plain is safe we got a whole bunch of late season a whole bunch of december to come i'm i'm banking it we got we I'm got a long, good picks. I'm a long game player bro <laughs> yeah i did it it blew my mind when I was like, really, I mean, me and you were going back and forth. And I was like, geez, this guy is like straight up. Nope, not going. <laughs> but but then but then I'm I'm also not used to hunting a small piece, you know, and you are and, you, and you've got it done and you've been successful. So just like we talked about earlier, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad habit, but you've got into you know what works and you know what you can get away with on your piece. Yeah. When I go on public, it's a, it's next level. I just do dumb shit all the time. Just full send like, all the all yeah, the time. I'm like, I'm like, I don't, I, 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 hang, I hang a stand and I'm like, yeah, I don't like this. I take it down at four and move it. You know what I mean? Just dumb shit. Right. But, uh, second tip is no matter what you listen to on a show or, anything everything's situational to you you know everything's situational to you your property just because this guy uses this deer piss that it that might that might work in your area but it might not work for me you know what i mean or, or this guy uses this tree stand you, you know use it if that'll work for you then don't use it you know it goes back to the same shit there's a lot of cool kids in the industry and I feel like if you want to use something or if you want to go out and hunt on the ground and that works for you, do it. You know what I mean? Hell if yes. you want to go out and hunt in the climber, do it. And I feel like people are scared to hunt their own way because the cool kids are doing it a different way. Social media and yep. all everybody's there's so much content out there that people consume. They feel like they're doing it the wrong way if they're doing it. But I can't tell a guy from Mississippi how to kill a deer, and I can't tell you guys how to kill a deer. Mm-hmm. You know, so yep. that's solid advice too, man. Yeah. I, I really like those ninja tips, man. <laughs> that's, that's really cool to get that aspect because it's different perspective. Because I mean, some of the guests that that we have, I mean, we've had our Midwest guests as well, as well as the West Coast boys. Just it's just very different perspective. And and Cody, you hit it on the mark. It's really situational. And you yeah. really need to make those mistakes to learn. So, I mean, the I think the biggest flaw, which can be our biggest benefit, too, is social media. Uh, for the, same, the simple reason of people just watching other people do certain ways at certain aspects at certain times is, 
you got to ask questions. I guess uh, if I were to put out a ninja tip out there right now, it would be just ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions and make mistakes because the only way you're really going to get good at anything, that's anything in life in general, is making mistakes. This is yep. what you learn. It's the easiest way to learn is by fucking up, straight up. Yeah. And then, yeah. then another thing, you know, just you said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to start a podcast. Don't be afraid. Like, you guys want to start filming? Dive balls deep in that stuff, man. And uh, see if it's something that you guys are going to like. You might love it. You might not like it. But if we can do it, anybody can. Plain and simple. Straight up. Yeah. Keep your eyes peeled. I'm on a mission with that for uh, the Thunder Chickens. I was um, at, I'll put your timeline together for a small fee. Was <laughs> <laughs> some shabim beer? <laughs> Maybe if if the, if the shabim beer makes me edit better, probably. <laughs> probably that job yeah. beer back out too. It, your boy paid for the hops to put that into production again. So right, he's a domestic boy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. We we have the yingling out here for domestic. So ooh yingling, I'll get down on some yingling. Hell yeah. yeah! Most of you West Coast boys, you guys don't get that. <laughs> Our Midwest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. got introduced to it by my wife's cousin who lives in uh, basically an hour north of Indy in uh, Indiana. So he he brought some of that when they come back and visit every year. So he he brought a case of Yingling and uh, left with no beers to go home. So that's about all I got to say about that. <laughs> hey, it's America's <laughs> oldest brewery, you know. Shit. Well, yeah, man. Uh, that's cool, man. I, I'm glad you guys put that out there because a lot of people need to know. Awesome, awesome, solid advice for sure. So what what sneak tips we got in the future out of Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming coming on the rise aside from the filming? We're just going to keep keep growing love, man. Keep connecting and every, everybody's got stuff in the works. It's just getting the stuff done you know our our big thing is content creation uh, we're trying to not just be you know a podcast we're trying to be a digital out outdoor brand you know what i mean and that's it's a lot of work when you try to hit all of them and then when you're trying to do everything in-house right and people get this weird on twitter i get asked do you do this for a living i'm like hell no bro there ain't no way there ain't no way you know what i mean to it it would have to be just retarded to to the people to be able to do that you know what i mean but uh that's our plan man just we're just going to keep growing um our hustle has never faded and in, in the what year and few months we've been doing this and uh i think it's getting more i think it's more we just more outlets and more shit that we do every day <laughs> but yeah. what about you guys well we uh we definitely we can't be too specific but we definitely have a lot of stuff in the works um some bigger deals are rising in the sense of the the rapid growth uh Turkey season is going to be a nice kind of like laid back um, kind of breather from, from the industry itself. But as soon as turkey season's done, we're right back in the gut of things. And it's going to be, it's going to be a different change. 
because um, Trev's going to be back on a boat. He's a commercial fisherman, especially uh, during spring, summertime, and late fall. And so that means I'm going to have to up my game to really kind of tie in the loose ends. And we have our release for our uh, blood series, ECB blood series, turkey pot calls on the rise. That'll be released tomorrow. Uh, this way we have turkey pot calls, box calls. I mean, name it with it. Um, and then bigger than that is is something that we're going to have to leave to mystery for now, uh, just because of non-disclosures we had to sign. And it, it's really going to be an impactful venture for sure. And we're trying to reel in the people that are closest to us, uh, really kind of bring that family feel back, back into that, that handshake, man. It boils down to the handshake. It, it's going to be something cool. Cause the brotherhood, consists of everything from the east coast to the west coast and we're just trying to tie in the right people so so this way everyone's on the same page and again not to keep on repeating the same thing but it's really going to boil down to uh everyone being on the same page and growing that love which uh i just want to shout out to you guys for keep on killing it and and really uh putting in the hard work because it, it's recognized and it doesn't go unnoticed for sure. Thanks, man. Same to you guys. You know, I I listen to your show pretty frequently. I don't think I've listened to every episode. But I've listened to quite a few. So I dig what you guys got going on. I, I like your little East, you know, the East Coast deal you guys got going on. It's different. It's cool. It's uh, like I said, it's not my style, right? But it's still hunting. So I still listen to it. That's awesome. Much respect for that, man. That's that's an awesome thing. What 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 attracted you to even listen to the East Coast podcast, Bulk Bohan podcast? Like, was it just uh, that mystery of like what East Coast really is and what it offers? Or I've seen D Rock's logo like uh, real early, and that kind of jawed me in. I was like, I'll check it out, and then I listened to like total podcast i probably listened to 15 <laughs> but the hunting podcast probably like eight i listen to pretty frequently so I, i'm on the road a lot so got time to kill where i spend a lot of time with the radio on yeah that's cool. like big hoss from ethic archery he's the same way he just puts the podcast at the podcast at the podcast yeah i listen to gary yeah i listen to gary v and Social media marketing and love well, life lessons and order <laughs> of man and shit. That I, Joe Rogan. I listen to everything, man. It's not. It's all good. Joe Rogan. That's, yeah, that's the goat. That's yeah. the goat. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. What you got going on over there, homie? That must be you what? moving around. Yeah, yeah. You're I had to get up, so get up, uh, relieve myself, and then I, I had one beer on the table, so I was like, uh, I'd probably get a couple more because I know, I know when the podcast ends, we're gonna probably jabber for about another half hour. So um, <laughs> this, this, I'm not in the studio. I'm in my own garage. I'm on a, a makeshift table here. Uh, got a real, a real sweet setup. Um, this is probably the comfiest chair I've ever podcasted in compared to, <laughs> compared to the chair I got in the studio. 
Can't yeah. compete with the zebra print. <laughs> I was just say, uh, <laughs> Cody's got this nice zebra print chair, and I'm just in a uh, a piece of shit folding chair. So I'm in like a nice, you know, July Fourth folding chair, and uh, really just kicked back, enjoying talking to you guys. Yeah, same here, man. Same here. Like I said, it's been a long time coming. It's it's pretty cool just to lay down the cut and re- really uh, getting that grind out. I mean, like like we said earlier, Trev and I just finished podcasting with uh, with Northeastern Game Calls because because of the release and stuff. And then right, at, I was actually uh, a little concerned because I mean, you guys know the grind. Um, when you have a phone call conversation, you pull your phone on Do Not Disturb, and we're really cutting it close because we had a schedule to keep with with y'all and. I was like, oh man! I'm like, I hope they haven't been calling. And- <laughs> every every podcast we ever do is like that, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We schedule we schedule a couple, and then we're always like 20 minutes after, like, damn it, we gotta cut this shit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Cody's like, did you? Did, are you sure you told them like? Eastern time? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Eastern, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're good. It's yeah. nine, nine yeah, central. You guys are what? Two hours behind? Or? No, just one, just one. Okay, one hour. Okay, but cool. like, you know, when we started getting into the phone call situation, you know, um, I, I was telling Cody, I was like, bro, like, are you sure that this guy's ready to come on at like four, four o'clock? You know. And he'd be like, oh, dude, no, I didn't even think about the time change. And then, you know, it's it just one of them stupid podcast hurdles that you have to get through. So now every time we're like, all right, are you sure it's Eastern time? You're like, yeah, dude, I told him. I told him it's Eastern. All right, cool. So we just we just subtract one and we're, and we're all set. <laughs> we got a segment for that, too, on our show. It's called Trev's Bloopers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trust me, we, we deal with Trez bloopers uh, I, on a consistent basis. I actually, I didn't even tell you. I had a recent one. I was I was filming uh, shed hunting. We had found a buddy of mine got on some uh, like a log jam, and uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, there's um, I got some bone over here." I was like, "All right." So I start filming. I'm walking up to him. I go to get up on the on the tree, and my pants rip from my knees all the way up to my zipper. I'm like, "Oh, dude." <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> I'm like Trev's bloopers. So I have it on camera. I'm gonna use it in a hunt somewhere, I think. Nice. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the adventure we get up here. <laughs> so, so what do you, what do you, oh go ahead. Go ahead. I know I was just gonna ask Trev, you know, um what what way have you grown from from having East Coast Bowhunting podcast? You know, I I mean, just looking at your profile, I know that you slammed the shit out of some fish, um, and you you knocked some head off some birds. Um, you know, and the people that you guys have talked to, uh, which way have you grown as a hunter? Um, honestly, as a hunter, I mean, it just it just having being part of the podcast. Um, it's just, it just forced me to, to go above and beyond the normal things that I would do, um, in, in the outdoor, uh, world, um, just to, just to be more successful. And, uh, it also has made me so that, um, I've also learned from a lot of these guests that, that do come on the show, like, uh, Dana Pace or, um, uh, Chris Silk or I mean all of them they've all I've learned and taken something away from every single one of them and applied it to my every single day um hunting and fishing yeah you know that's something that I was just thinking about today 
thinking about having you guys on, you know, um, and, and even other guests, like, as our as our following grows and our show grows and reaches new people, like, there are some people out there who are really diehard, like, I'm all into this hunting hunting game, and it really kind of blows my mind to the people that are just selling out and getting it done, and, you know, that's the shit I like, and, uh, you know, I try to practice my game after them. Uh, we had a guy today who just spread three and a half ton of lime for his food plots, like, dude. With two- a shovel. <laughs> yeah, dude, two oh, years ago, shit. I'd have never even known that dude existed. Wow. <laughs> well, oh, he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean that guy's that guy's getting it done. He's got it done the last three years, early season in September, and until you know four months ago, I didn't even know that guy existed on the whole world. But that guy is full send, and whitetails early season is what he does, and I think that us having a show and being able to cover stuff like that has helped me grow as a hunter and realize that a lot of people are just die hard hunting hunting regardless what it is die hard hunting more than i had ever imagined when i was younger i call it a seasoned hunter so they go with the seasons, whether it's duck hunting, whether it's pheasant hunting, whether it's turkey, whether it's you name it, they do it no matter what the season is. They're always after something. Yeah, and that's, that's myself. I mean – Yeah, I would say if you, if you just take a quick stroll through your profile, you can tell what what you're doing. I mean you're always doing something, man. I try. I mean it's – I, I kind of, you know, it was, it's something, you know, with taking on the taxidermy business and then being on the boat, I had to find something to appease my wife, um, to, to, I would be working all the time and the taxidermy business in the winter and then the fishing boat in the summer. Um, so it's definitely something that it, it keeps me busy, but it's, it's in something that I love constantly. I mean, come June 1st, I'm on the boat seven days a week and I'm fishing with, you know, teaching kids and, and adults how to fish and, and, and fill their freezers and so on and so forth. And then, you know, when I get out of that, it's October, November, and I'm back to deer hunting. And then it's taking in taxidermy clients. And it's always something and trying to duck hunt or turkey hunt or pheasant hunt or run the dogs or whatever it is. I mean, just try and live, breathe, and dream every single day. And it's just it's something that's just made me since I was a kid. Yeah, I don't. I don't promote uh, looking through Trev's whole profile. <laughs> but bro, dude, you you have you know got some fish on the boat. I mean, you definitely know the fish game. Um, you definitely smack some turkeys in the head, and you know your your bow game with the whitetails is is definitely evolving. And I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. You know, this fall. I appreciate that. Thanks. And that, that means a lot coming from, from everybody when they say stuff like that. That, that means the world, man. Thank you. Oh, man. It's, it's hell of a time, though. I really appreciate y'all having us on. It's, Honestly. Yeah, it's it's been a kick for sure. Yeah, we're glad we can make it happen, man. It took a while. One thing we noticed that I don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but when you, it gets to the deer season, that's when it's like – 
we need people on because all the hardcore guys are just non like nonstop hunting. They're like, no, I ain't got time to podcast. Right. You know what I mean? So it's nice to get you guys on now in the off season, but now everybody wants to come on, right? It's the off season. Nobody's got shit going on. You know, that's near as much as hunting in the evening, but I don't know how many times someone's like, no, I'm tracking a deer. No, I'm, I got to wake up and, and go hunting in the morning. I got to wake up and go to work, but here I am podcasting. So, cool yeah it's all good man yeah for sure i mean it's crazy how how i mean we can that's a whole other podcast right there (laughs) whole other episode on um trying to squeeze everyone in and i feel like such a jerk sometimes because i got i have right now as we speak i i have four big names that i've just been kind of like dragging along and waiting till i can like put them on and and it just it just sucks because they come out reach to me, and here I am. Maybe that's why they stick along and kind of wait because here I am a nobody, and I'm stringing these somebodies along. Like okay, I'll just you know when I get a chance, I'll get you on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy to even be confronted in such a situation. It's like man, like this is the shit, straight up. It is cool, man. It's fun meeting people. But- I think we need a cutter, homie. I got to be up in like four and a half hours. So. Same here. So I, I, I can't disagree. I just appreciate it. How do you guys like to end your shows? Uh, we just uh, end it with uh, Leave a Legacy and Wipe the Legacies out. 